All right, welcome to the crew show as we get things rolling on a Thursday night, 5.30 on the West Coast, 8.30 on the East Coast. Niners and Ravens go Christmas night. One of the games of the year in the NFL. Everybody in Northern California is waiting for this one. How good are the 49ers? I get a feeling we're going to find out for sure Monday night against the Ravens. Jeff Zerebeck, who covers them for the Athletic, is with us uh, on the Krug Show to help us break it all down. Jeff, thanks for your time tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit about about Baltimore. Um, man, they're really playing good football. And when you look at their, their schedule, um, it's not just that they're playing good football. It's that they're playing good football while playing very good teams. I mean... Um, just look at their, you know, they've only lost one game since they lost to the Steelers in what week five. So Titans, Lions, Cardinals, Seahawks, Bengals, Chargers, Rams, Jaguars. They've beaten all those teams. And the only flaw in the schedule since, uh, you know, early in the year was that one loss to, to the Browns, 33-31. How do the Ravens look on paper rolling into this matchup with the 49ers? Yeah, you know, they're playing good football. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much been all year. If you look at it, they've had a lead late in the fourth quarter in every game they've played this year. I mean, all three of their losses came in games that they led late and, uh, you know, they kicked the lead. And, and you know, in, in two of them, they had a, a comfort, you know, a multi, multi touchdown lead and they lost. So, um, you know, the way they're playing, they can beat anybody. Um, where, you know, they're just still the, the blemish is just the inconsistency, right? I mean, you know, you saw when they played the lions and Seahawks, it's as complete of a game as they could play. They just blew both those teams off the field. And then, you know, there's times where they'll play a bad half, their offense would, will start struggling for a while, or their defense will give up a couple of late drives. It just, for them, it's all about finding a little more consistency, um, you, you know, but look, when you have the record they have, and when you've been leading in every game you've played so far this season, and, and have had a lead in late in every game, you're obviously doing plenty right, and they are. How is the Ravens offense different? Niners and Ravens haven't played in a while. So the last time the Niners and Ravens hooked up, um, Giro, our good friend Greg Roman, was the the OC, and he's no longer there. And Todd Monken is there. Um, Just talking to Kyle Shanahan earlier today, he said, you know what, they're throwing the ball a little bit more than they they used to. Um, And it was more of a run-dominant scheme the last time these teams met. Is that based on the personnel? I mean, there have been injuries in the backfield and there's been improvements at the wide receiver position since the last time the Niners and Ravens uh, played. How much of it is is because of Monken? How much of the change is, is actually just due to personnel? Yeah, I think it's by design. You know, look, look, Greg Roman did such a nice job in building a run game and, and, and tailoring an offense around Lamar Jackson's skill set you know, that helped Lamar Jackson win the unanimous MVP in 2019. The Ravens won a ton of games with Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator and set a ton of records um, in the process. It just felt like it's just sort of Lamar Jackson in a lot of ways in the offense just sort of outgrew Roman's scheme and it was time for a change. But Greg did a nice job. And and the whole point of, of, of hiring Todd Munkin was – to add a little more balance, you know, Roman's strength was never his past concepts and, and, and throwing and, and all that, the route concepts. Uh, it was always run game. And, and 
um, Todd Monk is a little more versatile where he, you know, he believes in balance. He believes in taking more shots. He believes in challenging every part of the field uh, with the pass game too. And, and, by and large, and you know, look, it wasn't just Munkin, as you mentioned. They used the first round pick on Zay Flowers, who's been very good. They signed Beckham, they signed Aguilar. There was a, a clear, you know, focus this offseason on making their offense more pass friendly and giving Lamar Jackson more options in the passing game and a better passing structure. And you know, for a while, you know, that it's 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 had some days, you know, it's it's their pass game is still a work in progress in a lot of ways. And I and I think what's been interesting is they're still running the ball more than anybody in football. They're still running the ball better than anyone in football. Um, and, I, and I saw a clip from Kyle Shanahan saying they're still that's still the same run game in a lot of ways, and he's right. And I think that's been kind of a surprise. I think uh, most people thought, given their investment uh, in the pass game this offseason, that they'd be throwing the ball more. But it's hard to go away from your strengths. And when you have Lamar Jackson at quarter quarter quarterback you're always going to be able to run the football uh it really hasn't mattered who's been the back i mean there's been some more effective than others but they've been able to run the ball pretty much with whoever is back there so um yeah they're more balanced but i still think they're they want to be even more balanced they want to be a little more productive in the passing game there's been some games where for whatever reason they just haven't been very in sync uh but they have the capability to do it and just in years past you just haven't seen that you just they just didn't have the wide receiver group or or kind of the concepts that you felt like they could put up decent numbers in the passing game if that was the uh, kind of the game plan. You know, it's interesting. I, I really like J.K. Dobbins. Uh, he went out in yeah. week two. Um, I, I've been a huge fan of this kid, Keaton Mitchell, going back yeah. to the draft uh, from East Carolina, and I thought he was a real steal. I stashed him on my fantasy team, <laughs> and I was looking smart there, and then he goes down uh, with an injury, and it was kind of ugly. Um, what, what do you expect this week? I mean, is it the Gus Edwards show? Will we see a mix of Edwards and Justice Hill? Uh, is, how, will Melvin Gordon get in the mix? Will they lean on Lamar to run heavily here in this game? Yeah. How do you see who's going to get the lion's share of the carries um, Monday night? You know, I, I, I think Justice Hill is going to be, you know, I would suspect Justice Hill will be the guy in a lot of ways. Um, I, I expect a, a significant uptick in his touches. He's the closest thing that, you know, Keaton Mitchell's one of the fastest players in the league. So you just yeah. can't, you know, I know he's an undrafted rookie free agent, but in that skill set, you just can't replace that automatically, you know, sign a guy off the street who can run like Keaton Mitchell. But Justice Hill's the closest thing they have, and, and he can be elusive too. He can run between the tackles. He's a solid player. I, I don't think he's a home run threat like Keaton Mitchell, but I think he'll get a he'll get an uptick in carries. Um, but the rest of it, I think it's going to be a lot of committee. You know, I wouldn't expect Melvin Gordon to get a significant workload, but I, I think he can get a, he'll get a handful of touches. And Gus Edwards is more kind of their short yardage goal line back that's going to mix in. Um, but they're always going to be reliant on Lamar's legs too. So it, it's kind of going to be an all hands on deck thing. And, and it'll be interesting when you look at some of the injuries, um, you know, 49ers have had in the interior there. Uh, obviously the Cardinals had some, some success running the ball. Um, and I think, you know, if you're the Ravens, you know, Brock Purdy looks best when he's on the sideline, you know, and, and you, you take, a you limit some of your problems. If that 49ers offense isn't on the field, uh, as 
as much as possible. So I would expect them to really work hard at trying to establish the run. That's when they've been there at their best this year. Uh, but losing Mitchell, no doubt, that that's a big blow. I mean, his speed and his playmaking ability gave them another dimension. I mean, look, the guy was averaging like eight yards a carry. You just don't you just don't replace that overnight. Yeah, no, and very hard to find a small guy, good tackle breaker. I mean, just a, a lot to like there. W- what kind of years have been for Lamar? I mean, I know he's in the MVP race. Um, you know, this is a this is an incredible player when you think about it. I mean, 6'2", 215 pounds. I mean, I don't know if he still runs, but he used to run in the four threes at Louisville. He's got seventeen touchdowns, seven picks on the year. He's thrown for thirty one hundred plus yards. Um, what kind of year has it been for Lamar? And, and you've been there covering this team. How has he evolved through the years? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, Lamar is not that is not that guy who's just going to sprint by everyone on the field anymore. It's just not, you know, he's gotten bigger. He's kind of put on some muscle to better hold up uh, to hits and to take, you know, just to deal with some of the physicality game. But he's still like the most best athlete on the field. That's just how he is. And he's just still so very elusive, frustrates defensive linemen, uh, linebackers who are trying to catch him. I mean, you saw that with the Jaguars last week. I mean, he made some plays that you have no business making. You know, the beauty of Lamar's season really isn't in the numbers. He, he Some of the numbers are, you know, when you look at what his rushing numbers will be at the end of the year and what his passing numbers will be, he'll, he'll do something that probably no quarterback's ever done. But the numbers and like the touchdown passes and, and none of that's going to really stand out. I think where he's been at its best is every week just finding a way. You know, they don't have Mark Andrews anymore and he was kind of their top target. Dobbins, as you mentioned, has been out. They've had a lot of problems and this could loom large uh you know, Monday night, they've had a lot of problems on the edge. You know, Ronnie Stanley was a former All-Pro, but he's just not healthy. His body's abandoned him. And Morgan Moses is trying to play through an injury, and he's not the same. So uh, in a lot of ways, they've needed to Lamar to kind of play hero ball at times where, you know, he just improvises and runs around and creates things and gets stuff going off the scramble. And he's just been terrific uh, in, in doing that. Um, but he's found a way when other parts around him on offense may be hurt or not performing well to consistently help them score points and consistently find a way to win games, whatever that's doing, whether that's passing, whether that's Lamar taking it, a lot of it on himself and scrambling, whether that's just kind of taking a backseat with the run game. That That's where he's been at its best, uh, just finding ways to win each week getting it done, uh, putting up points, and, and just, uh, you know, for the most part, he's, he had a fumbling issue early. You know, he was there's a lot of botched handoffs and stuff, and they've kind of fixed that. We haven't seen that, and he's mostly protect the ball too. So, you know, it's not 2019 Lamar where he's leading the league in touchdown passes and, and, and all that, but he's having a heck of a season. I think they're 11-3 and three when they've not had a lot of pieces offensively at times, and he certainly should be in that MVP discussion. You know, if you look at those receivers too, Jeff, um, they're all number one picks. I mean, you know, yeah. Flowers was a one, Bateman was a one. I think OBJ and Aguilar, if you go way back, mm-hmm. those guys were ones. Um, who who is the premier guy? I mean, I know Beckham is the guy that everybody knows the name. Yeah, I, I personally like Flowers the best. Um, but you know, you catch Bateman on the right day, and he can look like a world beater. So. How do you view their receivers? Is there one guy that would you consider the number one? I, w- I would say that Zay Flowers. I agree with you. I just, you know, 
he does the most. They find more creative ways to get the ball in his hands, whether it's jet sweep, whether it's bubble screens, whether it's taking shots. Uh, he, you know, they're never with the way their offense is structured and how effective their run game is and how often they do it. A receiver, this is, you know, under Greg Roman, it was kind of a graveyard for receivers here. And I wouldn't say that under Todd Munkin. I mean, but they're just not getting a ton of looks. And some games, you know, Beckham only get one target. And some games, Aguilar won't even be involved. It's just kind of how it is. But I think they make an effort every week to get Zay Flowers involved. And you see that. He's coming off a really quiet game in Jacksonville. But more often than not, he, he's he's been their steady guy, uh, you know, in addition to Mark Andrews, who's not there. So, um, you know, he's the guy. Bateman's interesting because if you look at the metrics, the separation, all that, Rashad Bateman is really is back, right? I mean, he's had the foot, foot issues and he was a first round pick and he's dealt with some off the field stuff. But. And the metric shows he's open and he just him and Lamar just haven't connected often enough, given that, um, you know, he was more active against Jacksonville than he's been. But it's been a season long kind of thing to get Rashad Bateman more involved. He looks the part of a number one receiver with his hands, how he runs routes. We just haven't seen him get a ton of workload. He just hasn't been healthy enough since he, he's been in Baltimore. And then when you go to uh, Odell Beckham, you know. A lot was made how much they paid him, Larry, but they paid him partly because they wanted Lamar to resign and Lamar wanted OBJ. So that helped kind of in the process of getting Lamar signed. And, uh, you know, a couple times a game, Odell Beckham will come up with big plays or they'll take a shot with them. And and I think he's been about what they've expected, I mean, whether it's on third down or in the red zone. Uh, he does. He's not the Odell Beckham of old, but that guy has an uncanny ability to make plays in big spots, and he loves the stage. And here we are, Christmas night. Um, he's battling an illness here, and he's dealing with kind of a lower leg injury too. So we'll see where he's at uh, come Monday. But uh, he loves the stage, as I said. So I'm sure he's going to want to be out there. Man, this is going to be such a fun game to watch. Yeah. Of course, the Niners, you know, clinch the NFC West with the win over the Cardinals. Um, and the Ravens were assured of a playoff spot when they beat Jacksonville. But but the Niners can get that number one seed in that first round bye, which is so valuable. If they can win two of the final three games, the Ravens can clinch the AFC North with a win and a Cleveland loss this weekend. Uh, but they may need to beat Miami next week to earn the, the top seed in the conference. Um, I mean, this is this is such great theater when you think about it, because. I mean, this is only the second time in the in the history of the NFL that teams with sole possession of the best record in each conference played this late in the in the calendar. How much? How, how big of a game is this to to John Harbaugh, to the Ravens, and to their fans? Because um, it's not a conference game, and it's not yeah. like it's a gotta have it game. But uh, I'm sure they'd love to make a statement here with the nation watching. Yeah, you, you put it great. I, I mean, look, if the Ravens, regardless of what happens Monday night, if the Ravens beat the Dolphins and the Steelers at home to close it out, this, to close out the regular season, they're going to be the top seed in the AFC. So I, I think the fanatics, you know, the, the fans who are really in tune to what's going on are like, oh, okay, this will be fun. This is going to be a great test to see where the Ravens are at. 
but they need to win Miami and they need to win Pittsburgh. Not not that there's anybody's punting on any games. I mean, that's ridiculous at this stage. I mean, look, if the, the Browns win and they're facing a banged-up Houston team, the Browns keep putting pressure. If they win and the Ravens lose the 49ers, that's only a one-game difference there. And then the following week, the Ravens have to play Miami and the, and the Browns are playing a pathetic Jets team. So in two weeks, things could tighten up real quick in that division. So it's a big game. I, I think um, – I think people are excited just to see where the Ravens are at, you know, and I think what's uh, what's exciting about this most is just sort of, you know, both teams sort of they, they go about it different ways. Let's be clear about that. But, you know, both teams, you know, you got the two inside linebacker, probably two of the best pairs of inside linebackers in football. And you got so many, you know, like some of the things like that the 49ers are good at offensively. The Ravens are really good at defending defensively. And it's just sort of like their strengths in a lot of ways mirror each other. So I think that's what fans are kind of looking to see, how, how the Ravens measure up here. Um, obviously, if they're able to get a win, that that is huge. That gives themselves a margin of error going into the final two games. You win one of those, you probably feel pretty good about where you're at. Um, but I think most of the fans understand that you know, look, they badly want to win this game. Bragging rights are cool. They know it's going to be viewed as sort of an MVP showcase. Like if somebody, McCaffrey or Purdy or even Lamar on the Ravens side, if one of those guys tears it up, they're probably going to wake up Tuesday morning as the favorite in the MVP balloting. So uh, they all know that. I think everyone's excited to watch. But I think Raven fans also understand the two biggest games in their schedule are, are beyond Monday. The, game, the angle on the game Monday that to me is the most intriguing is can the Niners run the ball on this Ravens defense? Now, on paper, you would look at that and say, man, I don't think so. Michael Pierce is just, he's probably 360. Travis <laughs> Jones, the that's the UConn kid. I've seen him up yeah. close. He's like 330. He's big boy, yeah. Matabuke is 310. I'm a big AM fan, so I know all about Matabuke, and he's a hell of a pass rusher, too. And then you got Roquan and, and Queen in the middle. And that might be the best inside combo in the game right now. But you look closer and you and you start to wonder: can the Niners run the ball? The Ravens, if they have a weakness, it seems that they struggle against two backs and, you know, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. Um, and it's Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, does, you know, they, they have an outstanding pass defense, but they play with some light boxes and they yeah. can be susceptible to the ground game when you look at at some of the numbers. Um, wh what do you think, Jeff? I mean, yeah. th to me, this is, this is going to be kind of the game within the game. Can the 49ers run the ball? at a Raven defense that looking at the personnel, you'd say no, no way. Yeah. Yeah. Historically the Ravens run defense is usually top three and you could just write it down. I mean, they talk all about here. You have to earn the right to, to rush the passer and you earn that right by uh, shutting out, shutting down and knocking out a run game. And they just haven't been all that strong against the run this year. And as you mentioned, the light boxes, that's part of it. I mean, when they've played certain teams like Cincinnati twice, they're they're okay with Joe Mixon running the ball and getting four yards. They just that's just that's just how they've been. Um, certain teams they've given them a run a little bit and they focused elsewhere. But I think it's been a little bit of a surprise other times. So, you know, like I don't think anyone expected 
to see a Ravens defense allow the Rams to rush nine straight times right down their throat uh, in that game a couple weeks back. And, you know, curiously, McVay kind of went away from it for a couple plays and the Rams had to sell for field goal. But there's been times where they've been real susceptible against the run. I mean, the Colts ran it down their throats, too. So um, I, I imagine they're going to they're going to honor well they better honor McCaffrey a lot more than they've honored some of these other backs with the boxes and stuff um but there's no question I think it's a it's a concern here their run defense is you know we've asked Harbaugh multiple times as he's concerned and he's sort of been dismissive no we're going to stop the run but uh each week there's been parts of the game where they look really vulnerable to the run and uh you know McCaffrey can break an 80 yarder like it's nothing. So it, it'll definitely be interesting that aspect to see it's how it's going to get done and how they're going to play them. San Francisco, you, you know, just given the, you know, the cadre of elite weapons they have. You know, the history between these teams goes back. I was in New Orleans uh, yeah. uh, for the Super Bowl. Were you covering the Ravens yeah. Uh, yeah. that year when Anquan Bolden had a big day and, <laughs> and Jacoby Jones ran one back um, and, and, and the Niners couldn't score there at the end on the goal line with Harbaugh yeah. and Kaepernick and Gore. Were you in the dome that day? I was. Yeah. I mean, my the lights first, went out. Yeah. I was, I, uh, the year before I, I was covering the Orioles for a long time and our, you know, at the Baltimore sun, our Orioles beat writer, Jameson, excuse me, our Ravens beat writer, Jameson Hensley went to ESPN during the season. So I shifted over. So my first year on the beat, it was kind of in the middle of it. I picked it up was the, you know, the Billy Cundiff year, right? Where they had the Patriots completely on the ropes and Billy Cundiff missed that chip shot late in the game and Patriots advanced. So my first full year on the beat was the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, we spent so much time talking about the head coaching brothers matchup. Um, and that game was, you know, so much of that aspect of that game. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to forget. I, you know, I thought it was going to be, all I heard going into it is, yeah, I'm this young beat writer. It's so hard. The Super Bowl deadlines, the halftime show is so long. And, it, you know, you're going to be up against the gun. And I'm Jacoby Jones returns that opening kickoff the second half. And I'm like, I can write from the top, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> this is a blowout. And then all of a sudden, and it got to the point in that game where I have two screens go. And one, if the Ravens held on. And the other, if the Ravens blew the biggest lead in Super Bowl history. <laughs> so it was, yeah, that was a that was a crazy night in New Orleans. But a, a, a fun game. And, you know, as I said, I think the two teams, the physicality they play with. And, you know, I definitely think there's a mutual respect between these organizations. You know, between, especially with you know, how John Lynch and Kyle go about acquiring talent and what they look for and how Eric DeCosta and Harbaugh do the same thing. I, I know Lynch is friendly with Eric. So uh, I think there's a mutual healthy respect here, but this is going to be a really physical game. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it was Ayuk said today, what a treat for football fans on Christmas, you know, and uh, that's well said. I think I, I, NFL couldn't have asked for a better game to have uh, on Christmas night. I think these are two of the better organizations going. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Eric DaCosta. DaCosta worked with Ozzie Newsom for years. Newsom was one of the, you know, he was unique, right? Because he was an awesome tight end and an equally great executive. And then John Harbaugh, what a hire he's been yeah. as a special teams coach to come in and to, you know, the number, he probably is one of the longest tenured coaches in all of yeah. all of football. Um, he's, he's a spectacular motivator. He's a very bright guy. In some ways, I feel like, He's kind of 
Jim Harbaugh with a little bit more balanced, <laughs> uh, a little bit more balanced persona. Mm-hmm. Um, but DaCosta has taken over for Ozzie Newsom and has not missed a beat. And and I love the way they draft. They go find great college football players that have the measurables and then draft them and project them to be great pros. And I think it's the safest way to go. That's how you wind up with a Tyler Linderbaum. You know, that's yeah. because you go after great college players. And I just think there's so many teams that fall in love with, you know, height, weight, speed. And wow, look, did this guy look great at the combine? And the yeah. Ravens, I feel like, do most of their evaluation during the games. And I think it's the smart way to go. Yeah, it's funny you say that. And when they've missed, and every team misses, look, I mean, sure, you know, but when they've missed, it's usually they fell in love with traits. I mean, you look at Brashad Perryman, the wide receiver, and they drafted yeah. the first round and just didn't work out, and he was always hurt. But they kind of just fell in love with speed and 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 overlooked some of the other things. Um, but no doubt, I mean, I even remember two years ago in that first round. You know, they had the you had two first round picks. They got the second one. Um, was it? Yeah, they got it's two years in a row. They had two first round picks. The one year was they got the second one from the Orlando Brown trade. Um, and this past one was the Marquise Brown trade to Arizona. And everyone's like, eh, I mean, Kyle Hamilton's a great football player, but he drafted in a safety at 14. And then, okay, Tyler Linderbaum's the best center in the draft, but he's a center, you know. And look, Kyle Hamilton is probably a first-team All-Pro this year. He's played that well, and I think how Mike McDonald deploys him against whether he plays Kittle, uh, whether he's close to the line of scrimmage and blitzes and gives him an extra body in on McCaffrey, whether he lines up. I mean, look, he's he's taken Jamar Chase earlier this year. They're not afraid to put him on anybody. He's become a, a really valuable, significant chess piece, and, and he needs to be one of the best players in the field Monday night. And then you come out and Linderbaum, I mean, you know, he has two short arms and, you know, in AFC North, that's not going to work. He's not big and physical enough. And he's been, he, he'll be probably going to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he's not going to be a first team all pro with Kelsey around, but uh, he's developing into the one of the best centers in the league. And that's just, those are just two good football players. They kind of overlooked all this stuff about positional value and when you should take that position and just said, look, we're going to draft two football players, good football players that are going to be pro bowls at their respective position. And we're going to have them for a long time. And that's when they've had their most success doing that. And then you just see other guys, like you mentioned, Matt Abike, it's a third round pick. Uh, one of their biggest surprises this year was Brandon Stevens, the cornerback. I mean, he was a college running back uh, at UCLA, transferred to SMU, played some DB, and they drafted him. And he's probably been their best cornerback this year, uh, even better than Marlon Humphrey, who struggled with injuries a little bit. So, yeah, they find players. that I think both organizations do it where you look at these rosters, you're like, how the heck did they get that guy, you know? And, and, and you know, it's the developing and drafting, developing, finding players is obviously kind of – uh, it sets the organizations apart and the reason why some organizations are, are there and playoffs uh, contenders every year. You mentioned Hamilton. Let's get a, your quick thought on Hamilton because I think he, in a lot of ways, he might be the wild card factor yeah. here. I mean, he's 6'4", 220. Is he, a, is he a safety? Sure, but he's kind of a corner, but he can kind of be like a linebacker. I didn't. I thought there was some going to be some durability issues. That doesn't seem like it's a problem. Every time I watch this kid, he he comes away with the big play. He's got a nose for the ball, a big hit, always in the right place. 
I mean, these this this kid out of Notre Dame is just spectacular. Yeah. Um, how do you think? I mean, you've kind of you kind of already mentioned it here, but how do you think they try to utilize him in this game? Because uh, this is probably one of the the wrinkles that the Niners will most li- most likely need to adjust to. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, they've used him sort of, you know, last last week against Jacksonville, he had to go back and kind of a deep safety role because Marcus Williams or others, their starting safety, you know, hurt his groin. Now, Williams has been on the practice field all week, but he's kind of been limited. So we'll see. I think will excuse me, Williams availability will affect how you can use Kyle Hamilton. But I mean, I think they got to, you know, put him in the nickel at some point, find a matchup with Kittle. Uh, he's been very tough against tight ends. I mean, it almost seems unfair to ask a, a safety like him to, to, match up with those quick receivers but they're not going to be afraid to do it I I mean I think you're going to see him all over the place you're going to see him blitzing at times I mean look I mean I think he has like 12 tackles for losses this year he's very good around the line of scrimmage and you see him and he's this good looking kid and wiry and 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 all that but I think what's really surprised uh Ravens even Ravens who loved what they were getting is just how physical he's played I mean he's been you know, shrugs off blocks at the line of scrimmage. He lowers big hits. And then you see in the next play, he's sprinting downfield with a slot corner. It, it's just pretty amazing what he can do and, and how many areas. But uh, the chess match there is, is going to be absolutely fascinating. See how they employ, how they deploy him. I think he will see a lot of George Kittle, though, because they have tended to use him against top tight ends. Two last ones before we let you go. Wild card factor. You know, somebody was asking me today, is there a wild card factor on the Ravens side of this thing? And, you know, I'm going to go with Nelson Aguilar. I, I just think Aguilar, you know, I mean, you know, he, they tra- he was drafted in the first round. He's been around the league. A lot of people think he's a bust. But you know what? Every time I seem to watch this guy, um, he makes big plays. And it seems like he's earned the trust of Lamar Jackson. And I, I don't know. There's something about Aguilar that just kind of worries me in this game. What do you think of Aguilar and the the year he's had? And and um, if you had a wild card factor outside of Hamilton, who would it be? Yeah, I think Aguilar. The Ravens, and I don't I don't want this to come off as a shot at Odell Beckham because it's not, but because uh, they signed they signed Aguilar before Beckham. But the Ravens needed an adult in the wide receiver room. They needed a veteran who had been around the block who wasn't going to totally flip out if he wasn't getting the ball, like who knew his role. And Aguilar in that way has, has been really a good fit. He's made some big plays too, but there'll be games where he, he won't get any catches. He won't barely get any opportunities. And you don't have to worry about him, you know, uh, complaining and moaning after the game that he's not getting the ball enough. And, and you know, he's been big. And, you know, he's helped Lamar in a lot of ways. Lamar trusts him. He's kind of a voice in the huddle. Like before their big game-tying touchdown against the Rams, it was an alteration that Aguilar suggested to Lamar that led to the game-tying touchdown pass. I mean, so he's really been big in leadership. And as you mentioned, he does tend to come up in spots where, oh, you know, you wouldn't think that he's going to be the guy to make the big play, and and he's made it. I mean, his, you know, um, against the Bengals earlier this year, he was the main reason they won there on the road. Um, For for a different guy, the confidence in Isaiah likely is growing every week. And, And again, we talked earlier about, 
people look like, who are these? Well, who's Isaiah Likely? I mean, he's a guy from Coastal Carolina that did not score well at all in any of the athletic metrics. Like his speed was a problem. Everybody's worried about his pro day and his workouts and, and all that. And his testing numbers were terrible. And well, the Ravens watched him in college and his tape looked pretty damn good. He was running away from defenders at Coastal Carolina. So the Ravens took a shot at him and he was the second tight end they drafted in that round that year. Um, you know, Charlie Kohler was the other a former teammate of Brock Purdy. So um, and he's just, you know, he wasn't when you have Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews is going to get the lion's share of the work. Uh, uh, likely hadn't been all that involved earlier the season, but each week you're seeing it more and more, and Lamar's trusting him. And it's not the same with Andrews, obviously. Andrews is a pro, perennial Pro Bowl guy, uh, but Isaiah Likely's confidence is growing, and they trust him to win matchups, and Lamar's starting to trust him where if he puts the ball up like he did in that big play in Jacksonville, he trusts Likely's going to go up and get it. So I think you'll see him continue to have a big role in the passing game. Hey, last one, Jeff. We really appreciate your time. Give us the the you know kind of the national perspective on Brock Purdy. I mean, yeah. obviously we're you know you cover a team in a lo in a local market, and it's just you know the same guys over and over, and the same opinions over and over. Sometimes you kind of wonder what does the rest of the league see in your yeah. players and 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 your great players. Uh, what 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 is what's the national word on Purdy? What's the word around the Ravens on Brock? I, it's funny because all this nonsense about a game manager and what that means, that's all been in the news. Ravens have certainly steer cleared of saying that. Like Mike McDonald didn't even answer that question. And he's like, all I see is a really darn good quarterback. And I don't care what you want to label him. He makes the throws. But yeah, I, I think I think they're you can just tell how they're talking about him, how impressed they are with him, with his decision making, with his, you know, how, how he gets the ball out on time and his accuracy. Um, he, he yeah, they're they're fans of his. They're really impressed by him. I actually caught up with uh, Charlie Kohler a little bit this week just because his perspective is pretty interesting yeah. given he played with him. He's like, look, I love the guy. I, you know, he's my guy. But I'd be lying to you if I expected him to be an MVP candidate to go from seventh round or whatever to an MVP candidate this quick. But uh, he knew some of the traits that he had in college, and and they've done a great job. They've a, you know they're loaded with talent, and, and Kyle's doing a great job. But the kid is making throws, man. He's unflappable. I, yeah, they're very impressed by him. I, you know, sometimes you could tell the Ravens. I mean, it's not the Ravens of old where you have Ray Lewis and Trey and Terrell Suggs trash talking. And, <laughs> right. you know, they always were guys that they don't. And John Harbaugh is one of those guys that he doesn't try to, you know, this isn't the Patriots locker room. The Ravens are welcome. These guys, they don't try to, you know, tell these guys not to say certain things. These guys are encouraged to be themselves. And Roquan Smith or every week says something that's kind of interpreted as trash talk. But if you listen to Roquan, he kind of says some version of it every week. So it doesn't really kind of phase us locals. But you could tell with the way they're talking about Purdy and this offense, what a kind of big time challenge that they feel this is going to be. I think they kind of view it as, you know, we're going to need to play our best game uh, to go in there and win. But what an opportunity we have is kind of how they're viewing it. Um, but I do. I think they think they match up well against them. I mean, this is a Raven. This is a very confident team and a very confident organization. Um, I don't think they're going in, you know, intimidated by anything. But they know if they're not at their best, um, you know, it's going to be problematic. And, and Purdy's a big reason for that. 
Yeah, Purdy's having an amazing year. Yeah. I mean, re- leads the NFL, 29 touchdown passes, a 119 passer rating, 9.9 yards per attempt, like third highest in the history of the league. It's a, it's amazing. Hey, great stuff, Jeff. Is, is Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Williams, uh, did they practice this week? Are they going to go? Or, I mean, um, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing different conflicting reports on those two. Ronnie Stanley was out today on the field. He came out late, um, but he was wearing a, um, a non-contact jersey. So he's not fully out of protocol yet. So he still has some testing he has to do, and he has to pass to get it. But I think it's a pretty good sign for the Ravens that, you know, they, they've sort of shifted their schedule a little bit. They're traveling out west on Saturday, um, which is what they usually do, West Coast game. They leave a little earlier. But John Harbaugh's kind of giving them Saturday half the day to have Christmas with their families, and then they're going to get on a plane and go. So they're kind of sort of maintaining a Sunday game schedule for this game rather than Monday schedule. So they were on the practice field yesterday, and Stanley was there. Granted, he was still, you know, he's limited and he hadn't been fully cleared, but that he's even out there this early in the week is a good sign for them. And and Marcus Williams. I, I think he's absolutely going to try to play. This guy has been playing with a torn pectoral all year, and he's been gutting it out and trying his best. And and again, he's another guy who was out in the field for the first practice this week when usually if a guy's really in danger of playing and not playing, you won't see him out there on the field for the first practice. I, I would expect to see the both those guys out there as long as Stanley can pass the test. I will say Zay Flowers is a little bit of a concern. I, I think he plays, really? but it, yeah, I think he plays, but – um, you know, he had a boot on his foot early in the week. Um, you know, has a, seems like he has a mild foot uh, sprain type deal. So I think he'll be fine. But anytime you're talking about a, a diminutive receiver with a foot injury, who depends on kind of quickness. It's always something to watch. Jeff, I'm now one of the 90,000 people following you on, uh, on Twitter. So I, I <laughs> yeah. hope, I hope you feel my impact now, but uh, my, it's funny. My son, uh, who's my producer on, on this show, uh, says dad, you know, I, he's, he says the athletic gets all the best people. Uh, we got a couple of really good athletic, <laughs> yeah. uh, writers here, Dave Lombardi and, and Matt Barrows do a great yeah. job here locally, but, uh, I'm, I'm following you and, and you're doing great work on, uh, and you, and everybody in the stream follow Jeff on Twitter. Uh, it's Jeff, Jeff Zarebiak, uh, Z R E B I E C Jeff, uh, at Jeff Zarebiak and Jeff, great stuff. Thanks for coming on. And, do you, I mean, do you, I don't know if I, is it appropriate for me to ask you to make a prediction? I mean, do you, do you have a prediction on this thing? Do you have a yeah, feeling I, either I, way? Yeah. I mean, we, we did, we, I do with, uh, at the athletic, all yeah. the AFC North guys get together for what we call whip around AFC North whip around every week. And we predict the games and that already ran this morning. And I, I, I predicted 49ers by 10. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I just think they're playing at an awfully high level. And and I just haven't seen the consistency yet from the Ravens. Now, when the Ravens have been good, they've been watch out good. Like, they take all part anyway. I mean, those Lions in Seattle game, I don't know if there's another team in the league, if they play like that, that could beat them. But we just haven't seen that enough. Uh, we see too many lulls. And, you know, they, they go from dominant to, to struggling for a couple drives. And I just – I just don't think you'll be able to let you'll be able to let off the gas at all against this 49ers team, how well they're playing. Um, but, you know, look, Lamar wins. Uh, we've seen that over and over again. Uh, 
they're always going to have a chance. They're always going to be in the game with him. He's always going to give them a chance, even if they fall behind a little bit. So um, I, I expect nothing less than, than this game to be kind of a, a really good, close, competitive game. I just think right now 49ers are playing at a little higher level. How do you feel about making the cross-country flight during the holidays? I'll be honest with you. I, I hate this, but I'm actually not. I have two, I have two young kids, and, and you know it's really important that I have Christmas morning with them. And um, I'm going to have a pit. You know, I'm just I'm down about it. I really want I looked into flights that I could have Christmas morning here and still get to get to San Fr you know, still get out west Santa in time Clara, for the yeah. game. Yeah, and I just couldn't find a, you know, the only flights that I could find that would really get me there were 6 a.m. flights. And at that point, you're not having Christmas morning anyway if you're leaving for the airport at 4.30 in the morning. So, uh, unfortunately, I'll be watching it from TV. Uh, I'm down about it. Uh, you know, I sort of, I hate not being there. I've been at every other game this year, but uh, – Family you know, comes let, first. Let, yeah, yeah. Family comes first, and and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll we'll see this again in Vegas, right? And I mean, you know, we could you know, yeah. we could watch them play five or six weeks down the road after that in Vegas. I think they're two of the the fun, you know, the most fun teams to watch, and I think it'll be a great matchup. Well, you made a good decision. Hey, Jeff, thanks for the time. Um, and if they do uh, hook it up in Vegas for the Super Bowl, we'll have to, uh, you know, maybe have a lemonade in, uh, in Vegas <laughs> and, and and talk a little talk a little ball. But really appreciate your coverage and appreciate uh, you coming on the show. And and the happy holidays to you and the family. Thanks for coming on the Krug Show. We really appreciate you. My pleasure, Larry. I had a great time. Thanks. And have a have a happy holidays uh, to you and your family as well. Appreciate it. Jeff Zarabiak stopping by from The Athletic. Good stuff, guys. Um, very, very good. Good breakdown. A lot of good information there. Um, man, really interesting when you think about this matchup between the Niners and the Ravens that, you know, he's saying that Zay Flowers is dinged up and he may not be 100%. Um, there's a lot of reasons as this thing gets closer that I really like the 49ers. I think the Ravens are going to struggle to defend the Niner run game. I think the 49er defensive ends are going to have their day. Ronnie D Ronnie Stanley is not a hundred percent. That's a major blow. You got chase young and you got the reigning defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa on the other side. Bosa usually attacks from the right tackle spot. So Moses Morgan Moses is going to be a major key in this thing. Um, and he grades out as an elite guy, according to pro football focus, um, there's no question about it. Um, we'll see if he can win that battle against Bosa. I, I got to give Bosa the advantage there. Um, and I just think the 49ers are going to, going to win on the line of scrimmage. And I think they're going to win this game. Um, Lamar is terrific, but losing Keaton Mitchell is huge. And I know a lot of you going Keaton Mitchell Krug, really Keaton Mitchell, but Keaton Mitchell is a four, three running back. Who's about 210 pounds on a 5'8 frame, and he was playing outstanding football. Gus Edwards is 240. He doesn't run away from you. Justice Hill, in my opinion, is just a guy. Just a guy. Um, Isaiah Likely, you know, my buddy uh, Rick Mueller is the, is the recruiting coordinator at Coastal Carolina, so I know an awful lot about Isaiah Likely, and Likely is a good tight end for sure. Um, but the Niners have stood up to better receiving cores than this. A lot of it's going to be, can they protect Brock Purdy and can they take care of the football? They can take care of the football against guys like Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton and Geno Stone. He's got a great nose for the ball. Um, 
you know, the safety, uh, you know, the, I think he, stone is, is a really good player. They drafted him in the seventh round. Um, you know, I mean, you're talking about a really good player at Iowa and he's been a really good player in the NFL. So, um, if they can somehow take care of the football, not turn it over, the 49ers don't have big, big turnovers. I like them to win this game. And I think they're going to win it by a couple touchdowns. Um, Okay, couple thoughts from the chat. We've had a bunch of people chattering throughout this thing. One, JJ Raider in the house. JJ Raider has become a new YouTube member. I always give him a little, little clap there. Bomber T says, "Hey, liking the new background, Larry. Do you guys like the new studio with the uh, the wood the wood backdrop? Got rid of the bookcase. Got rid of the carpeted walls. Put up some hardwood." Um, giving it a kind of a, a little bit of a different look. We've got some more things we're going to add to it here in the next few days as well. Hope you guys are enjoying the studio. Uh, Jedi says Lamar is a special runner. I tell my buddy that all the time, so I can't pretend he isn't now. He's very beatable though for us. Make him throw at Mooney and Lenore. All right. I like that. I like that. Um, we had somebody in here said that, that uh, Dave Lombardi was being attacked today by, by uh, the guy was the guy in Fox, Nick Wright. Here we go. We got this one here. Ryan Max says Nick Wright attacked David Lombardi today. Well, I saw David Lombardi. Uh, we sat next to each other in the media room, so it had to be virtual or on on the tube, and not actually a physical attack. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to know what it was. I'll have to look that up. Uh, 490. We still global says the room is pure fire, Larry. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Um, Greg is con says the price is wrong, Nick. Oh, I love it. Sean Hensley. I wish Nick Wright would attack me. <laughs> there you go. What did he say? I'll have to go look that up. I'll have to go look that up. Um, yeah. Kyle Hamilton, I think is a wild card in this thing too. Kyle, Ham Kyle Hamilton is an amazing talent. He's a hitter. He's a cover guy. He's a corner. He's a linebacker. He's a safety. I mean, he's he when they took him in high up in the first round, I thought, man, this is an awfully high draft choice for a safety. But he was a blue chip guy coming out of Notre Dame, and he's on that Hall of Fame Canton trajectory. So so there you go. Um, you know, Kyle Hamilton is is a real significant talent. Ernest Angulo says, can you ask uh, Perry to do a Superman touchdown dance when he scores? Okay. Um, there you go. And let's see, we have one more. Uh, no, that's, that's pretty much it. Hey, uh, bottom of the, bottom of the hour, six 30. Um, we're going to have the big show tonight. So the big show is Jesse and Vish and I, Vish has been on vacation. Vish has been traveling abroad, I believe. So he's not in Chicago, though he is uh, active on Twitter, but he's been doing it from across the pond. Um, so he is, I'm not even sure exactly where Vish is, but I believe he's on a different continent right now. Um, so we're not, so coach will be in for Vish tonight, 630, bottom of the hour, right here on the Krug show. That's coming up. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to our sponsors, Pig and a Pickle. Uh, the title sponsor of the Krug Show. We had a great meet and greet there last week for the Cardinal game. Thanks to everybody who showed up for that. Thanks to New York-style Italian sausage, the only kind of Italian sausage that I will eat 
is New York-style Italian sausage. Uh, thanks to Marin Autoglass, marinautoglass.com, 415-883-3030. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to all the good people at Marin Autoglass. And thanks to Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy. Check that link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match you up to your first $100. Good luck to everybody on that front as well. Join us, bottom of the hour, Jesse, um, Coach, and I right here on the Krug Show for the big show as we talk more about Niners and Ravens on Christmas night. And uh, by the way, everybody who's going out to that game, make sure you listen to me and Lo Neal. We'll be on at 3 o'clock on 95.7 The Game doing pregame from the Santa Clara Hilton. Heck, if you're down there, stop by the lobby of the Santa Clara Hilton. Uh, we'll be there doing our broadcast and talking about the Niners and the Ravens. And my son Kevin's going to be there with me, so I'm really excited by, by uh, about that as well. So join us on Monday, and hope everybody has a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And peace. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you ask.